the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here is your assignment if you choose to accept it. Talk to 100 people. Actually, you can do it by text message, email, direct message on Twitter. Or you can ask 100 people on the street, knock on 100 doors, whatever you want. But here's your question. Do you approve of the job that Joe Biden is doing as president? Now, ask that question and then see if you can get 33 people to say yes. That's where the big guy is in the Quinnipiac poll, 33%. Now, what do you think the chances are that you could find 33 people out of any group of 100 to say that they think he's doing a really nice job? I haven't uh, done any research on this. I've been kind of busy. But I have a feeling that you'd have a tough time finding 10 people who think he's doing a good job. Now, I have an idea for one of the uh, news networks. You, you have a show, you know, like a uh, kind of like a town hall, but you invite only people who think that Joe's doing a really nice job. And then you ask them to list the things that they like about the big guy's performance and, you know, ask them to contribute. Maybe somebody would stand up and say, you know, I really like the uh, increase in gas prices. I like the fact that I'm now paying $4 a gallon instead of 2 Maybe somebody would say that. Or maybe somebody would stand up and say, my favorite thing about Joe's presidency is the empty shelves that I keep seeing at the supermarket. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think 10 might be a little high. Maybe, maybe you could find five out of 100. I think it would be interesting to see if the big guy's poll numbers uh, can actually match the rate of inflation, which right now, by the way, is at 7%, the highest in 40 years. So could you get seven people? I wouldn't bet on it. Today, Joe could only get three Supreme Court justices to allow his vaccine mandate for businesses with 100 or more employees to stay in place. And when we come back after the break, we uh, are going to talk to a legal expert from the Heritage Foundation about that decision. And coming up uh, in the second half hour, we're going to talk to the author of a book. It's called The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. It's actually a sequel and if you've ever seen a family sitting in a restaurant with all the kids looking at their smartphones, you'll know exactly what he's talking about. Stick around. With Joe Biden and the radical Democrats pushing their socialist agenda, Pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the United States Senate. Carla Sands is a MAGA conservative who served on President Trump's foreign policy and economic teams. With deep roots in central Pennsylvania, Carla Sands shares our conservative values. Carla Sands is a Christian and a pro-life mom who will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. MAGA conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. Hey, did you make a New Year's resolution to quit smoking, and maybe you already started smoking again? What is it, uh, 12 days in? Well, I have something for you to do. I need to. Uh, you need to check out MyNicotineTest.com. It was founded by Matt Bars. He's the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program. He got involved after 9-11 when lots of uh, firefighters who smoked had serious problems because of their uh, the lung issues from, the, uh, from going into those buildings. So he tried to figure out a way to get them to quit smoking, and they ended up with a 70% quit rate. That's what they have now with MyNicotineTest.com, 70%, and there's a money-back guarantee. What they do is measure your nicotine levels with a urine test, and then they customize your treatment from that, and they do it so that you don't feel miserable while you're trying to quit. And for a limited time, you can get your expert tobacco coaching free 
with your nicotine test uh, purchase. Their experts will guide you with tips and secrets to finally make quitting a reality. You can actually quit. Seven out of ten do. MyNicotineTest.com works with all tobacco products, including vaping and smokeless. And if you're not a smoker, order a gift card for your loved one at MyNicotineTest.com. That's MyNicotineTest.com. Do your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dinovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dinovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dinovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Gift-giving occurs year-round, whether for birthdays, holidays, or a special expression of thanks to your best clients and customers. Of course you want to show your love and gratitude, but you also want to give a gift that provides a positive image of you and your organization. Solaire Infrared Grills from BestHotGrill.com are both practical and unforgettable. Made in the USA, Solaire has a grill for most budgets, but more importantly, Solaire delivers the wow that everybody likes to receive in a gift. Impressive out of the box, and even more so in use, the Solaire Infrared Grills are the gift of value that will build relationships. With every great-tasting, juicy meal enjoyed from their Solaire, they'll think of you. Step up your gift-giving. Learn more about the amazing Solaire Infrared Grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Joe Biden lost one today. The score was 6-3. to three. Supreme Court voted 6-3 against the vaccine mandate for businesses with more than 100 employees. Uh, the court ruled that OSHA lacked the authority to impose the mandate. Giancarlo Canaparo is a legal scholar at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Giancarlo, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So uh, this this was considered a 6-3 vote from the start, I think. Uh, uh, would a vote in Biden's favor here have been a colossal upset? Uh, it, it really would have been. Uh, it would have been probably the most significant expansion of the administrative state's ability to rewrite laws that we have seen uh, since any of us have been alive. Really an astonishing power would have been granted to the administrative state. And what the Supreme Court said here is, look, if uh, the administrative state is meant to have the sort of power to rewrite laws that affect 100 million Americans in, a, in one fell swoop, you better be very clear uh, that Congress intended to give it that power, because that's not the kind of power we're just going to give away willy-nilly. Well, and they looked at the statute here and said, it's not, it's, there's no clear delegation here. Uh, you don't have that power. Yeah, what, what law would they be rewriting? That's the, uh, it's called the OSH Act. That's the act that uh, gave OSHA its power. And it says that OSHA can promulgate emergency rules uh, within its area of expertise, which is uh, uh, harms that are unique to the workplace. Uh, and these are over chemical agents, over things like fire safety. Never has it claimed uh, to have power over viruses, and, and certainly never has it claimed to have a broad uh, public health power that it tried to claim here. And the Supreme Court said uh, there's a reason that it's never tried to have that power before, because Congress has never given it to it. Would it be uh, the equivalent of having uh, OSHA decide that because I'm an employee here, that my boss could tell me that uh, what kind of a ladder I'm allowed to use at home when I'm repairing the aluminum siding? Right, that's exactly right. And the difference being that uh, not only could they tell you what ladder you have to use at home, but uh, they can force you to buy that ladder and never uh, never get rid of it. Because uh, that's what the vaccine is. It is a permanent decision uh, that affects you not just in the in 
the workplace, but for the rest of your life. Well, um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why anybody would think that this had any chance and and why they would even take up the Supreme Court's time with something like this that you seem to say is such a slam dunk. Yeah, well, you had the, uh, the White House chief of staff, Ron, Ronald Klain, sort of uh, tipped his hand when he called it the ultimate workaround. Uh, the workaround, what he was working around, is the fact that Congress refused to pass a vaccine mandate. Uh, no federal agency has this power, but Biden was desperate to try to figure it out. Uh, and so this is the strategy they came up with. Now, uh, you know, it was a slam dunk if you're going to read the statute, uh, but you still have the three liberal justices who would have been very happy to go along with it. They said, look, this is a terrible emergency. Uh, and the government needs to have whatever power it wants in order to combat this emergency. Now, you know, that's a dangerous line of thinking. It's pretty obvious, I think, to anyone uh, that if the government has the power to, to say what an emergency is and then it has the power to get whatever power it wants to combat that emergency, uh, that is a recipe for unlimited government. But you had three justices who are willing to go along with it. Is that Should that be st- disturbing to people? It kind of disturbs me a little bit that there are oh, yeah. three people who made it into the Supreme Court. They were approved. They had a record that they uh, were were, were uh, that was used to base their qualification, uh, you know, to, to determine whether they were qualified. How do three people make it to the Supreme Court and think it's okay to do what these three just voted for in this ruling? Well, you know, Ronald Reagan said freedom is only one generation away, and it requires people to be really cognizant uh, of of what we're fighting for and why things like the separation of powers really matter. Uh, and, and, you know, there's always going to be that temptation to political expediency. You know, you want something, and so uh, you throw those procedural safeguards to the wind to get something today, and you don't think about the consequences tomorrow. And uh, a lot of people, including three Supreme Court justices, can fall prey to that temptation. So if Hillary Clinton had been elected president in 2016, OSHA would now uh, have, had, have the power that you say that they should never have. That's right. OSHA would have the power, most likely, to uh, essentially regulate public health uh, however it wanted, under the theory that uh, it all affects your employment somehow. Well, I guess OSHA could say uh, the, no, the, the OSHA has decided that uh, alcohol is bad for you, and all uh, businesses will now prohibit their employees from drinking alcohol. Could they do that? If they could, well, you know what, they, they could in general. Uh, and if they could uh, spin it as some kind of emergency, they'd have even uh, even more sweeping powers than that. And, and so this is a pretty big deal then. Uh, when, uh, at the beginning here, when we, your first words out of your mouth were pretty strong about how uh, what was avoided here by this 6-3 vote. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it was at it was risk risk being one of the biggest expansions uh, of the administrative power uh, that we'd ever seen. Now, why that matters is fundamentally because you know you and I uh, we get to pick you know who who what who votes for the laws that we want to govern us. The problem with you know the administrative state is nobody holds those people accountable. Nobody votes for them. Nobody can kick them out of office. Uh, so what, what the Supreme Court here did today is really very simply say, you know, the people get to decide this uh, through Congress, and Congress hasn't given the green light. Uh, that, that's, all, that's all this really amounts to. But that's an important thing uh, to remind the administrative state about, because uh, it wants uh, to accumulate power, and that is fundamentally undemocratic. Well, the people who were okay for the three justices that voted uh uh, to allow this to continue uh, today, the people who voted for them, um, if, they, if, if, you, if you give it to them to make the decision, meaning Congress, then OSHA gets the power, right? And then would it have to be go back um, to the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court to rule whether Congress has the, the power or the right to give OSHA that kind of, uh, of a mandate? You're right. You know, that's, that's how it would go if... Uh if Congress decided to try something like this. You know, I don't see Congress trying to do something like this uh, with uh, this sort of vaccine mandates being as unpopular as they are. Uh, But, you know, even there's a silver lining even to that. You know, not only 
would we get some uh, Supreme Court jurisprudence on, on that constitutional question. But, you know, this if Congress decides something, even if we don't like it, there is an element of legitimacy there because it's democratic. Uh, the bureaucracy, the federal bureaucracy is not democratic. Uh, its decisions, you and I have no ability to affect them whatsoever. Well, uh, the court did rule in favor. Uh, and by the way, we're, we're talking to uh, Giancarlo Canaparo. He's a legal scholar at the uh, Heritage Foundation uh, about the Supreme Court's decision today to um, uh, not allow the uh, not allow President Biden to mandate that companies have to mandate vaccines. Uh, but the court did rule in favor of the Health and Human Services Secretary on the issue of health workers. What's the difference there? Yeah, the difference is uh, it all comes down to federal spending. So uh, in the OSHA case, OSHA just tried to impose this mandate. Uh, in the health workers case, it said, look, uh, it only applies to uh, health institutions that receive federal money. And the Supreme Court has long held that Congress can attach strings uh, on the money. Now, I know I disagree with what the court did here, in part because when Congress attached strings to Medicaid money, it never told anyone that they would have to be vaccinated, right? This is a, this is a, a string that's attached after the fact. Yeah. Uh, and so you had Justice Thomas in dissent making that point. Uh, but that, for the majority of the court who said yes to the health mandate, that was the uh, difference. So Thomas did, did uh, vote against that also? Yes, he did. Thomas said neither mandate was lawful. And in my opinion, that was the right way to go. Now, this brings up to me anyway, and I'm, 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 you know, a radio guy. I'm not an attorney. Um, What, what does this, what kind of ramifications would it have if we had a um, federal um, single payer health care where the federal government was in charge of our health care? I, the reason I'm asking yeah. is because of the because the the Medicare aspect of this that gives the, the according to the court that gives the government the power to tell companies what to do because they take Medicare money. Well, how what what are the ramifications of that on a on a large scale? Yeah, you've hit on an excellent point, which is if uh, there's a single single payer system, the federal government and not Congress, but just the executive branch agency, they will have complete power. Uh, to set the terms and conditions of your health care under this sort of Supreme Court precedent because uh, they can attach any strings they want to that spending. So, uh, yes, we go to a single-payer system. The federal government has uh, virtually unlimited power to set the terms of your health care. And see, that's, uh, and this is a a different subject, but it's why I've always been very suspicious and and, uh, don't like the idea of uh, the government having the power of your health care in their hands. It, that, this should, be, should this be an example to everybody about, of what could happen if you turn it all over to the government? Uh, yes, yeah, that's, that is exactly right. Uh, you, I mean, if you're going to turn power over to the government, the government's going to use it. Uh, don't expect them not to. Uh, and what you're going to see is when, uh, you know, say, for instance, a Biden-type administration comes in that wants to play politics with health care, uh, they will. And uh, if the government, has, we have a single-payer approach, uh, the government has complete power to play whatever politics with health care it wants. Yeah, uh, up in Canada, Canada has turned into North Korea over this COVID uh, hysteria. And they have um, federal health care, single-payer. Um, they call it, they think it's free. Of course, it's not. But I, I think, uh, I, and I'm obviously I'm not in Canada, but I pay close attention to it, and um it seems to me that their health care system has played a role in the government's ability to really come down on people over this because they, they, they can say to people, listen, you don't listen to us. You're not going to have cancer surgery next week. We won't give it right. to you because we're in control of that. Right. That, I mean, what, what we've seen from Canada's single-payer health care system is even when uh, there isn't a medical emergency, uh, there's – Enormous delay time, service is bad, uh, and now you add to that a, a government like uh, Trudeau's who wants to play politics uh, with medical treatment with respect to COVID, uh, and there's nothing that the Canadian people can do to stop it. Yeah, I mean, in Canada they could say to people, listen, uh, they like to smoke cigarettes up there still a lot. Um, if you smoke, 
uh, sorry, but you're not gonna. We're not. We're not taking you for. Uh, we're not taking you for any kind of lung cancer um, treatment. We're not paying for it because. So you better you know, quit smoking the- because you're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna take care of you if you keep it up. Right. Well, we've seen something similar, and in fact, even worse here in the United States with some private companies, the Ronald McDonald House, uh, which treats um, children yeah. for uh, especially terminal diseases like leukemia, has said, look, if you're a five-year-old child with leukemia and you get a vaccine for COVID, you're out, uh, which is insane. Beyond belief. Uh, but but right. what it is, the Ronald McDonald House allows... Um, when, if, a, if a kid is coming, say, to Pittsburgh to go to Children's Hospital to be treated for cancer, it gives the parents a place to stay uh, while, that, while their child is in the hospital. And so what, so what McDonald's has done is tell those people, eh, I know your, uh, your five-year-old uh, son has leukemia, but he's not vaccinated, so he's not, we're kicking him out. They actually did that. That's what you're talking about, right? That's right. Yep, that's right. And, and that, you know, that's one private industry, one private company. You know, at least you have the ability, hopefully, to switch. But imagine now the government has that power over every single health care facility in, in the country. That's what going to single pair would mean under this line of Supreme Court cases. Do you think that, um, that Republicans and conservatives should use this as a way to fight against uh, the the liberal and the Democrats' um, uh, calls for a single payer, that they could point to this? Do you think they're smart enough to do that? Uh, I mean, let's hope so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you were right that you hit on something uh, that a lot of people ought to be thinking about. You know, what the Supreme Court did here is really raise the stakes for single payer. So, you know, conservatives need to pay attention. They need to point that out. Uh, because you don't want to wake up in a world where suddenly uh, you don't get cancer treatment if you refuse a COVID vaccine because of, say, you know, religious exemption or, or some other medical medically necessary reason. Uh, you know, the government gets to pick and choose who gets life-saving treatment and who doesn't. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and they have it in many places. Uh, we're talking to Giancarlo Canaparo. He's a legal scholar at the Heritage Foundation. So the liberals, uh, Giancarlo, tried to make the case that the court had to recognize that COVID-19 is a real health threat. Uh, and that's why that OSHA should have had jurisdiction over this. So would it or should it make any difference uh, if this were a life and death issue, if everybody who caught COVID is going to drop over dead, which is basically what they told us two years ago, or would, it st- would the Supreme Court still have to rule on OSHA's power and not the threat of the disease? I mean, we, we go through this same question every 30 or 40 years. Some emergency faces the country where it is, uh, you know, uh, World War II and Japanese internment or uh, the Korean War and the attempts to nationalize the steel mills. Uh, you know, the Constitution does not give the government extra powers during an emergency. Uh, the Supreme Court does magically gain the ability to rewrite the laws when there's an emergency. The Supreme Court's job is really simple. Uh, you apply the, the text of laws as they are. And if they constrain power in a way which is inconvenient, uh, it's Congress's job to rewrite them, not the Supreme Court, and certainly not the president and his executive agencies. Uh, here in Pittsburgh, the Port Authority uh, runs the transit here in Pittsburgh in Allegheny County. They have a vaccine mandate. I think it's effective in March. Would this ruling today affect that in any way? Could they still make their employees be vac- vaccinated? It's a government. No, this. So this ruling applies just to uh, the federal government and OSHA's attempt to do a federal mandate. So with respect to state and local mandates, those are going to be decided by state and local law. But it's still the same concept, isn't it? Uh, that whether the state, whether it's the federal or state or local, should have the power to 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 uh, mandate things like this. Right. The question is always going to be, does the state or local government have the power? Because, you know, we live in America where the government only has power we have given it. Uh, so if the people of Pennsylvania have not given the government the power to impose a vaccine mandate, either in the Constitution or in some law, it just doesn't have it. Hey, Giancarlo uh, Conaparo of the uh, Heritage Foundation, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, if anything, uh, we've definitely learned that it's a good thing Hillary Clinton wasn't president. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Supreme Court has stopped the Biden administration from enforcing a requirement that, that employees at large businesses be vaccinated against COVID-19 or undergo weekly testing and wear a mask on the job. At the same time, the court allowing the administration to proceed with a vaccine mandate for most health care workers. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy refusing a request by the HASP panel that is investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. McCarthy claims the investigation is not legitimate and accuses the panel of abuse of power. In a Capitol Hill press conference, he says Speaker Nancy Pelosi is using the committee as a political tool. Maybe if Nancy Pelosi had done what other speakers would do and not play politics with it, there could have been a different answer. McCarthy says other investigations reached conclusions in a bipartisan way with less delay. She just played politics while the Senate had two committees. Bipartisan look at what happened on January That's Bernie Bennett. This is SRN News. It's that time again. Time for fresh starts and resolutions. And Harry's can help. Harry's is an award-winning razor brand that makes a full range of grooming essentials. But the benefits go way beyond the great shave at a fair price. Maybe you resolve to take control of your finances. With cartridge refills as low as $2 each, your budget won't even flinch when you switch to Harry's and save all year. And with checkout code SRNGOLD at harrys.com, you can get a trial set for just $3. If your resolution is to always look and feel your best, that's Harry's specialty. Their high-quality razors combine an ergonomic design with five super-sharp blades, shipped directly to you with a 100% money-back guarantee. New customers can get a Harry's starter set for just $3 at harrys.com with code SRNGOLD at checkout. Get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and travel cover, all for just three bucks. That's code SRN Gold at checkout at Harry's.com. Charlie Kirk explains a shaky foundation. The entire public policy global transformation agenda rests on a couple people. If you are able to bring Fauci to justice, if you are able to delegitimize the medical regime, all of these other changes that they've tried to put forward in the last year and a half get invalidated. The Charlie Kirk Show. Weeknights at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. Cancer. So many lives are touched by cancer. In fact, one in two men and one in three women will be diagnosed with cancer. At the American Cancer Society, we're on a mission to free the world from cancer. It's a big mission, driven by little things like a ride to treatment, a free place to stay, a 24-7 helpline. But these little things are really the big things. Because to a cancer patient and their family, they're everything. And every day we reach thousands of cancer patients who so desperately need these services. But we need your help to get these critical services to more people and families in need this holiday season. Go to cancer.org and join the fight against cancer. It takes just minutes to donate and help provide essential support to cancer patients and their families. Don't wait. More than one in three people will be diagnosed with cancer. Go to cancer.org right now and make a difference. Go to cancer.org. I'm Father Don Fisher inviting you to join me for my new show, Pastoral Reflections. I pray that it is an uplifting, inspiring program that will deepen and enrich your understanding of your spiritual journey and most especially open you to the promise of God's indwelling presence. It enables you to know a love that exceeds all others. I hope you'll join me on Sunday morning at 7.30 on News, Opinion, Insight, The Answer. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Busy Thursday out there. Still all stacked up on the Parkway East outbound. Around a 10-minute delay between Glenwood and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. On the inbound side, it's a little busy downtown. Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. A few extra minutes for your trip there. Crowded outbound Parkway West. Parkway Center Drive up to Carnegie. East Carson Street's under construction between 33rd Street and Smithfield Street Bridge. That's scheduled till 6 p.m. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. Cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see a couple of showers, maybe mixed with snow late to the low 32. Breezy tomorrow with clouds giving way to some sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 34. Saturday will be cloudy, very cold. We'll reach a high Saturday of 23. Sunday, sunshine will be followed by increasing clouds. We'll reach a high Sunday of 33.
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Go to any restaurant and you'll see families sitting at tables and the kids are looking at their smartphones. Sometimes the adults are doing it too. Uh, The kids have checked out and it's universal and it's been going on for a while. It's generational uh, and it's been going on for a long time. Mark Bauerlein has written about it. His book is called The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. And he joins us now. Mark, thanks for being here. I'm glad to join you. So this is a sequel to a book you wrote back in uh, 2008 called The Dumbest Generation, How the Dig- Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or in parentheses there you have, or Don't Trust Anybody Under 30. Why did you decide back then that uh, they were the dumbest generation? Well, one, I, I guess I wanted to insult 93 million Americans with one title. Uh, yeah. <laughs> apart, from, apart from that, you remember in, in 06, 07, 08, the millennials. They were yeah. taken as the digital natives. They were the early adopters. They were, they were confident, optimistic, energetic, entrepreneurial, innovative. They were going to college in record numbers. They were going to lead America into the 21st century. They were the greatest generation, the real greatest generation. Mm-hmm. And I looked at this and saw, you know what? It is not a characteristic of a great generation to walk around with 250 pictures of themselves in their pockets. It's not a greatest generation to spend four hours a day on video games. This new Facebook thing and this Twitter thing, the social media, sleeping with their phones by the pillow at night so that if a picture comes across at one in the morning of a cheerleader that you don't wake up. No. This is not good. It is going to harm the intellectual and emotional development of these youngsters. And when the book came out, oh, you're a Luddite, you're a reactionary, you're an old fogey, get off my lawn. Well, I, mm-hmm. I embrace that, that identity. But I predicted it's not going to look good. Now we're 15 years later. And the dumbest generation, the millennials, they're now in their early 30s. How are they doing? Well, all that confidence and optimism and tolerance, that's gone. They're bitter, disappointed, depressed, anxious. All, all these rates are up. They are more intolerant than older generations. They actually have high levels of social mistrust. They mistrust their fellow workers, fellow citizens, and they have a vindictive sensibility. This is the basis of the cancel culture that so many of them have bought into. So this is, this is where we are. They've gone from stupefied teenagers in their bedrooms staying up all night with all the connections to 33-year-old Americans who don't like their country, they don't like their fellow citizens, and they feel cheated. Now, did this begin, uh, Mark, with the smartphone? You know, it was, it, was, it was when we got Web 2.0 and the smartphone was the, became the instrument. I mean, it used to be we had all these different devices for things. We had, we had one device in our car to do maps for us. We had another device to do music for us. We had the laptop or the TV for movies and videos. It all devolved into the phone. The phone became an everything tool, and all these kids, they got locked in. I mean, Silicon Valley designed these tools, the social media, the websites, the games, by hiring experts in neuroscience and cognitive psychology who were into addiction and detention. They designed the tools to hook the kids. And by the way, the titans of Silicon Valley, they didn't let their own kids get on these things. Stephen Jobs famously kept his kids away from the screen at home. They don't send their kids to these all-wired schools. They send them to the Waldorf School and other low-tech schools So they know what they were doing, but boy, did they sure want to get our kids hooked? And they did. They succeeded tremendously and made a ton of money. Now, do you think that happened by accident that they discovered that? Or did did a bunch of people get together and say, let's come up with something that we can use to addict kids? Well, you know, there probably were a few Machiavellians 
uh, uh, up there who just wanted the money. And I mean, the money was so fantastic. But the, I mean, these were mountains, mountains of money that went into Silicon Valley. But I remember most people said, hey, kids love video games, but let's just give them more of that. You know, they want to talk to one another all the time. Let's get more Instagram going. Let, let's get more YouTube out there. I don't think that, that we want to take a whole broad evil conspiracy, but, you know, it was human nature in a way. The temptation is out there, and you can go out and say, well, no, we don't want to get kids hooked, but they love the games. We're just giving people what they want. Well, this digital world is a lot more insidious than, let's say, the libertarians. You know, hey, it's up to them. It's all their responsibility. No, 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 no. These tools have entered into our lives like a tidal wave, and they're, they're really not, for all the convenience, a lot of people who are hooked on them are not happy doing so, and they're using the tools in bad ways. Like, the tools are a fundamental venue of cancel culture. Yeah, and, and you say that now they're grown up and they're in their 30s, uh, and they're any, nothing close to being the greatest generation. What do they do no. to change? I mean, this is, this is their life. How, how, do they, well, how do they get out of it? Well, they, they don't know. The bitterness and disappointment are being expressed in the wrong ways. We didn't give them love of country when they were young. We gave them a country that's guilty and sinful. We didn't give them religion. We didn't give them God, whatever God you want to say, whatever transcendent being. We didn't give them that. We didn't give them great traditions of literature and art and architecture and music. We didn't give them family lineage, all the mobility and the dysfunction and the breakups in family. So they are rootless now. They're groundless and they're searching for meaning and purpose in their lives. And they're finding it in things like racial justice, social justice, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, uh, climate, uh, 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 you know, climate disaster. They're looking for some kind of bigger meaning in the world, and they're not going to the right places for it. They are doing things like making politics into the be-all and end-all of life so that when Donald Trump won... In November 2016, they went crazy. It was traumatic for them. College campuses erupted. A lot of cities erupted. And the millennials were especially distressed by this. I mean, you want to say to them, did you think Barack Obama was going to be your favorite president, was going to be president forever? I mean, do you, do you think you get to win every time? Well, when they were in their bedrooms at age 15, they did get to win every time. And they didn't have the equipment to grow up and realize, you know, sometimes you get hit hard. Sometimes you lose. And that is not a global injustice. It happens. We're, we're talking to Mark Bauerlein. Uh, he's the uh, author of The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Um, and why are they dangerous adults now? What's dangerous about them? Well, when you've got a large population willing to sign onto a petition with 2,000 others to get one person fired from a job for telling a, a dumb racist joke on Facebook, that's dangerous. When you have them go into a traumatic breakdown, when they have to sit in a room with someone who has political opinions different from their own, that, that denies the American pluralistic way of life. When you find that they regard the one person who doesn't go along with the opinion of everyone in the room, when they want total conformity out of everyone, this is, this is again, contrary to the American Spirit. And when, when my liberal professor colleagues are themselves nervous, I mean, they are afraid of their own undergraduates. They're afraid of assigning Huck Finn because it has the N-word in it and they may get a complaint. They're afraid of using pronouns 
in the wrong way. If you told them 10 years ago that you got to watch your pronouns, they would look at you and say, are you some kind of conspiracy nut? Well, this is where we are now. I mean, everyone is nervous. Political correctness has never been worse. And the millennials now are the prime carriers of political correctness. And it's a punitive environment. If you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, you could lose your livelihood. You could have your college admissions letter revoked. I mean, these, these are things that have actually happened to people. And, and it's, again, it's a civic environment that can't endure. Uh, you were uh, our professor emeritus of English at Emory University. So when you say your your colleagues, that's who you're talking about. Um, uh, your colleagues who are professors. Yeah. Um, these kids that you are, are are dealing with now. Do you, are you still teaching classes? You know, I retired last year. Uh, I still do a lot of education work, but I haven't been in the classroom for for about a year and a, a year and a half. Now, and I've got to tell you, I mean, I taught for 30 years. I, I, I put in my time. I'm not sure I really miss it. I mean, I like, I like teaching. I actually like the kids. But remember, if you've got a class of 35 students, two students complain that you committed microaggressions against them because of their identity. And the 33 said nothing. They were happy. Those two can make your life miserable for months because they'll file a complaint with the administration. It's a title seven or title nine complaint. So it's federally covered. The university has to take it seriously. And even if you totally survive, everything's fine. The punishment is the process. Nobody wants to go through that. And so, I mean, I, I never had that, that, that problem. Students, uh, you know, in the last few years at Emory, when I became very conservative, you know, no one, no one bothered me. But I did see the climate of discussion freeze up a little bit. The nervousness rising. And this is, this is contrary to an open society, and it's con- certainly contrary to the academic sphere. We're talking to Mark Bauerlein. He's the author of The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Um, how many of your predictions from your first book are coming true now? Uh, none of my predictions in the first book are coming true because it's a lot worse than I said it was going to be. Wow. <laughs> Things, I mean, well, when we think back about 2007, it seems like a whole different America was 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 taking place back then i mean all the things that have happened i mean first of all whoever would have thought donald trump would be president i mean that, right. that was a that was that was a, that was a shock who would have thought that the killing of uh, a, a low li- a low level criminal in up in minneapolis or st paul in police custody would produce a summer of riots and lootings in more than 200 cities across the country. Who, I'm, I'm, whoever thought that we would, we would end up with a president who obviously has some cognitive challenges with, with, with President Biden. This, this is, I, I think we are in bizarre territory at this point, and it's a terrible situation to be a young person in. This is one reason why the millennials are not getting married. They're not having kids at nearly the rate of prior generations. We're, we're, we're seeing their resistance to family formation. Now that, that's going off the cliff, and that bodes very poor. That's a sign of their pessimism about the future. It's also a place where they're not finding any purpose. You know, children can give you a commitment, a future, a design, where you feel, I've got to sacrifice a little bit for them. It's a healthy thing for most people. It's healthy to have kids. They're not doing it. And, and I take that as maybe 
the worst sign about the condition of the millennials. I have one minute left, uh, Mark. Um, so how will kids today be any better off 20 years from now than today's late 20s and 30-somethings? You know, you hope for a correction. You hope that uh, we see the errors of the time and the pendulum swings, things get better. But I have to say that I, I, I feel a little pessimistic myself. I thought that Generation Z would, would reverse a lot of the problems. But to get ahead now, Generation Z realizes they live under a surveillance society. They can't say the wrong thing because they may get punished for it. They have to keep their heads down. They have to go along with the mainstream way of thinking or their futures are in jeopardy. So I worry that the conformity, the political correctness may be too strong for it to be reversed in any other way but some kind of explosion. The next year, we're going to see some bizarre activities. I don't know what they are. Leading up to the midterm elections, we're going to see some very strange things happening in, in our country. And I, I don't know what, what those are going to be or what effect they're going to have. That's my non-prediction. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Mark Bauerlein, the dumbest generation grows up. Uh, from stupefied youth to dangerous adults. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Hi, this is John Steigerwald. You know, it's New Year's resolution time, and have you or your friends or family resolved to quit smoking with no success? It doesn't have to be a miserable process. You can quit without drama. Let me tell you about MyNicotineTest.com. It was founded by Matt Bars, the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program. Their science-based approach has a quit rate of 70%, and they can help you. They even offer a money-back guarantee. In a nutshell, they measure your nicotine levels to customize your treatment so that you don't feel miserable. Now, for a limited time, you can get your expert tobacco coaching free with your nicotine test purchase. Their experts will guide you with tips and secrets to finally make quitting a reality. MyNicotineTest.com works with all tobacco products, including vaping and smokeless. If you have questions, call MyNicotineTest at 1-800-45-SMOKE. That's 1-800-45-SMOKE. Leave a message if all tobacco counselors are busy. You have nothing to lose but your addiction. Not a smoker? Order a gift card for your loved one at MyNicotineTest.com. With Joe Biden and the radical Democrats pushing their socialist agenda, Pennsylvania needs to send a conservative fighter to the United States Senate. Carla Sands is a MAGA conservative who served on President Trump's foreign policy and economic teams. With deep roots in central Pennsylvania, Carla Sands shares our conservative values. Carla Sands is a Christian and a pro-life mom who will defend the unborn. Carla Sands is a job-creating businesswoman who will cut our taxes and get Washington off the backs of our small businesses. Carla Sands is a constitutional conservative who will protect our First and Second Amendment rights. And Carla Sands is a law and order conservative who will fight to finish President Trump's wall, crack down on election fraud, and stop Fauci's tyranny. MAGA conservative Carla Sands. She'll put America and Pennsylvania first. I'm Carla Sands, and I approve this message. Paid for by Sands for Senate. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and a Inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrustpittsburgh.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there are a few things that are 
dumber than uh, a picture of Leah Thomas in a bathing suit. Uh, Leah used to be named, I forget, Walt, Steve, uh, Chuck, I forget, but it's Leah now. And uh, Leah is a uh, is a swimmer for Penn, and I'm I'm guessing you've heard the story. We've talked about it a lot here, um, but uh, Leah is still swimming for Penn, and the Ivy League and University of Pennsylvania are both coming out and supporting uh, Leah being a woman and swimming and competing against women. But uh, there's there are people out there who are trying to get it uh, to bring some sanity to the situation finally. Um, and her name is Nancy Hogshead Makar. She's a three-time Olympic gold medalist uh, winner, gold medal winner, and she's chief executive of Champion Women. And she was on Fox News uh, in a phone interview today, and she said the competitive edge that Leah Thomas has is multiple times over the competitive advantage that most doped-up East German women had. If you remember the Olympics back in the good old days when the Soviet Union and East Germany uh, and the communists were made them interesting by being the evil, the, the evil uh, villains in the in the whole uh, drama of the Olympics, you remember that the East German women had beards and uh, they were nasty looking, really, really nasty, and they won a lot. Because I, I, I don't know what they were, but they weren't actual real uh, women. Uh, so anyway, she says, the most doped up East German women that I've competed against at most were just a little bit better than we were. However, they were competitive with men. They were not close to the men's times. So those women were doing something over there uh, in East Germany that made them look not like women, but they were still women, I guess. Um, and so this uh, this woman... With the uh, champ, the group called Champion Women is trying to bring some sanity to it, uh, but who knows? Uh, the the Ivy League and the University of Pennsylvania are still going to stick by the stupidity, so we'll keep uh, we'll keep looking at this and keep making fun of it because it's totally ridiculous and should be absolutely ridiculed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Steelers with a guy from Kansas City tomorrow. See you then. John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.